Studio. This is KCNS FM Colville. KCNS AM Salt Lake City. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The following is paid programming. The views, claims, and opinions of this program do not necessarily reflect those of The Zone Sports Network, its management, or staff. Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Car Sense, I'm Austin Horton. Roger Parkin in with me. He's uh, at the Southtown location, to, well, today and every day. That's where you work, Roger. That's You're always there. But you're not in studio today. Hi. You're there on the ground at the Southtown location. Thanks for doing yeah. this. Eric Jensen producing for us. And your phone calls at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Uh, Jack called in, and uh, he'll be entered into the drawing for the oil change. 855-340-ZONE. So Jack is first, but now Jeff is in as a caller number two of the day. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. How hey, are you? Roger stole mine. I'm doing good. Roger, you stole mine because I remember the little pe- the little button on the on the <laughs> left floorboard, which I actually liked. Did you? <laughs> it was pretty yeah. cool. Huh. Yeah. But the one thing uh, I remember was, it was when you had to self-install a cruise control in your car. Okay. Oh, now oh, tell oh. me, tell this little young whippersnapper about what is this? You had to like an aftermarket thing or what? A lot, yeah. A lot of yes. vehicles didn't have cruise controls then, so you could go buy an aftermarket, oh. and you <laughs> it usually end up being zip tied or electrical tape to <laughs> somewhere or, or 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 on the gear or on the gear gear shift handle up on the column. Yep. And, you had to, and every, that was like the big rage for a while. <laughs> go get one of those at your local. Go, go down to the part store and buy one of those, and then, and then you go take a whole day to put it on, and then you had to set it, and it kind of worked, and then sometimes it wouldn't. And... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Am I wrong, Roger? Am I wrong? Oh, you're 100% right. We were in, we were having those installed, oh, clear into the early 2000s on car. Well, no, probably late 90s. Wow. Yeah, yeah now, like now most cars come with cruise control, but yeah, aftermarket cruise, it was always a crap. It was a pain. Wow, I'd it never even pain, heard of such a, a thing. It was pain to install. Yep. That's, that's amazing. This is all spoiled. Oh, yeah. All of my generation is oh, soft. Oh, yeah. This, this stuff We're this soft, man. like easy nowadays. The tech is, my wife's got a 2020 pilot, and at the tech, and it's amazing. I mean, the you know, you oh, all yeah. the lane assist and everything I see in it. Yep. I'm a professional professional truck driver, and I see all this tech. I'm like, wow, man, like oh, yeah. easier, easier to drive now. Oh, the the blind spot uh, detection alone is is incredible. You well, uh, I, t- I tell you what, you get used to that and hop in a car that doesn't have it. Ooh, look out, baby. That's right. Like my my wife drives our Subaru mostly, and I drive our beat up uh, CRV. That has nothing. Mm-hmm. It has a seatbelt, but that's about it. It passes. Uh, and so I'll go from driving my car, and then I'll drive her car, and, I, and, and then I'm like, you are so dang spoiled. This is amazing oh, yeah. what's in this car. The, the backup cameras between her car and my car, my car is like <laughs> looking at a, the old NASA moon landing. 
yeah. and her camera, <laughs> you can see, you can read the neighbor's refrigerator across the street from us. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jeff. Thanks for calling in, bud. Thanks, Jeff. 855-340-ZONE if you'd like to be part of the show. It's between Jack and Jeff so far for that oil change. 855 Yeah, you got a 50-50 shot right now. 340-ZONE. All right, let's talk about this uh, story from Matt Gephardt over at uh, KSL and, Sl- and Sloan Scrage over at KSL. Selling a vehicle, well, here's one of the things that people most often forget to do, and it gets them into a legal scrape from time to time. This is a story from Jennifer Erickson. She and her mm-hmm. husband sold a boat. Uh, it yep. was a, an old jalopy of a boat. They had been gathering dust on the side of their house. They just wanted it gone. She said they basically gave it away. It sold quickly, and the new owner had it towed off. Well, a few months later, Erickson then received a certified letter from a towing company that said the boat had been impounded and that the Ericksons would now need to pay the impound fees to get the, the, the boat out. She called the tow yard mm-hmm. and was told the boat was still, what? Registered in her in name. In her name. Yep. So obviously the guy who bought uh, the bought the boat never bought bothered to get new tags in his name. When Erickson told the tow yard this, they said, "Well, it's still legally your concern. We, you still owe us money because this boat is registered to you." Uh, and so th- they're in a bit of a legal scrape here. And Roger, this apparently happens all the time when cars are sold. Oh, yeah. I myself uh, have a pretty famous story that gets told from time to time here on The Zone of when I was uh, pretty much a newlywed driving my wife's vehicle. She had bought the vehicle from her sister who had bought it from her mom who had bought it from someone in Texas. Uh, My wife and I don't have the same last name. I got Mm -hmm. pulled over because the car had not been registered or or whatever, and it wasn't – It is the previous registration was in – my mother-in-law's name, and oh, on and on and on. Oh, so, yeah. And it happens because people will sell their car to a neighbor, a friend, a, a relative, mm-hmm. and then they don't bother or think to get that re-registered and pass that name off into someone else. And then they get in trouble like this, Roger. Yeah, and I don't know if those people are really liable for that, where they had sold it, and... Because you, I mean, I, I know this. The uh, last line in that story was make sure you notify the DMV. I don't know if you tried calling the DMV ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean you for might. the Ericsons and their boat? Yeah, I think they're gonna yeah. get. Out, I think they're gonna get out of it. Uh, well, it, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it, but it's the hassle you go through with it, and honestly, the impound fees it sounds like are probably worth a lot more than that boat's worth. But it's yeah. Felt. <laughs> So, you know, but you can't just take the license plate off and send that car on its way. You gotta, you gotta, well, you better take the license plate off, do a contract to sell, have them sign it so you have proof that it was sold. Yes. Um, because you really don't have control over whether that car gets registered or not, or that vehicle, pick your poison. Yeah. Um, and until it's recorded, they always will go back to the previous owner, and it just is the hassle of. Of doing it, I know years and years ago we had a car that was taken on trade at one of our other stores, and the uh, salesperson didn't do their job of taking the plates off. Also, it took somebody they didn't take the plates off. Ended up in California getting parking tickets. Wow. Yeah, talk about having to jump through some hoops. 
So yeah, if you trade your car in, make sure you get the plates off of it, or if you sell it, take the plates off. Yep. Because it's at least we'll get them down the right road to changing the registration on the vehicle. Yeah, take the plates off and then just simply pick up the phone, call the DMV, and cancel your registration. Yeah, I'm, I I really question if that's necessary, honestly. To cancel your registration? Yeah, I I've never done it in my life, and I've traded you know I've traded or sold personally. 25 30 vehicles wow so i've never i've never had anything come back to bite me but i know that i know you can get out of it just based on my experience that i had yeah hey uh a couple recalls we want to bring up here the yeah let's talk about them the chevy bolt ev uh the year 2017 to 2019 has been recalled a second time for the same same problem. problem and the problem is Battery fires. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the global recall this time is affecting 69,000 vehicles. GM and its battery supplier partner LG have found two manufacturing defects in the same battery cell that were the cause of battery <clears throat> fires in these particular Bolt EVs. As a result, uh, the uh, GM is saying park your car outside. Outside. <laughs> Away from your buildings. Uh, whether or not they receive the current software update, customers should return their vehicle to the 90% state of charge limitation. Additionally, customers charge, we ask tra- customers charge their vehicle after each use and avoid depleting their battery. Uh, and three, out of an abundance of caution, continue to park your vehicles outside immediately after charging and not leave your vehicle charging overnight. How inconvenient is that? That's horrible. That's why I mean, why most people charge their vehicles in the garage at night. That's when I charge at my night, phone, you know, it's, when they're sitting there. That's, that, that's yeah, that's not good. And then you got to park that, it outside and uh, man, that's going to be one of the challenges. I, I think that's really highlights some of the challenges of electric vehicles is that they're, you know, they have some challenges and they can be dangerous for different reasons. But you'd hope that the GM and, and the manufacturers do their due diligence and make sure that doesn't happen. But my goodness, yep, that's a it's a dangerous thing, and to recall it twice for the same essentially the same issue is pretty terrible. Uh, my next door neighbor uh, has is driving a brand new, well, the, the most recent model of a, of Chevy Bolt. And he, mm-hmm. really, he really likes it. Uh, he works at a place that has charging, so he charges right. it while he's at work. And then uh, and he gets about 250 miles per charge, which is pretty good. But when he drives that thing into the driveway, I chuckle every time because it, ju- it, looks, like, <laughs> it looks like a little uh, clown car driving up and down yep. the street. It's pretty funny. But he likes it, so... I wonder though if uh, if you if you hear as we talk about recalls though and you wonder oh maybe my car is affected go to safercar.gov put in the VIN and it will tell you if it is. Uh, Ford has issued three recalls for more than eight hundred thousand vehicles: the uh, Explorer, the F three fifty, and the Lincoln Aviator vehicles are included in the recall. That is uh, the Ford Explorer from thirteen to seventeen. The uh, F-350 Super Duty from 20 to 21, and the 2021 Lincoln Aviator. These uh, recalls include 
Uh, the, for the Ford Explorer, they may experience a seized cross-axis ball joint that may cause a fractured rear suspension toe link. You'll hear a clunk, no, clunk noise and usual handling. A misaligned rear wheel. Obviously, this increases the risk of a crash. The F3 Super Duty. Just a little bit. Uh, they have a problem where the uh, the axle for, let's see, single rear wheel axle for a rear axle housing spring seat interface build issue. That is a lot of axles and rears in there. I don't, <laughs> it's got a problem. And then finally, uh, the Lincoln Aviator, uh, they, they've they got uh, the cable, the battery cable wire harness is not properly secured, allowing contact with the AC compressor pulley, over time that'll rub through the wire oh, harness insulation right out. and uh, possibly cause a fire. But certainly, uh, accidents, injuries, and other things are of concern there as well. So you, you know, with as sophisticated and electronic as cars are, it's a wonder there's not more recalls on them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Subaru has an average of 33 micropro- microprocessors in each car. So a lot of a lot of uh, sophistication there. A lot of a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and to make sure that everything runs right, it's a it's a lot of work and a lot of due diligence, a lot of testing. Yep. And they generally get it right, but you know, there's there's a lot more to go around on cars now than there has been. The, the days of you taking out in your backyard and working on it, they're done. <laughs> yep. Yep. You don't see people uh, working on your on their car anymore. It's not very they're they're tough to work on unless you have the right tools i mean they are all computerized they plug the computers in to diagnose what's going on with them you know you gotta have specialized tools and just accessing things is sometimes an art form because it's not they keep everything so compacted yeah uh here's a feel-good story uh, i wanted to get to today sebastian perez a young man uh, how old is he? Nine, eight or nine? Uh, he was diagnosed with osteogenesis imperfecta, a genetic disorder characterized by soft, brittle bones. As an infant, no one could have imagined the impact, though, he would have on countless other children and the car communities of both Utah and California. Uh, he said, uh, uh, going through treatment made me think I just wanted to help make kids' lives better. Uh, and, and he said this uh, in a radio interview. He has chosen to focus outward, especially on helping other children. He started a, a foundation called Born for Fast, a charity organization that brings local car communities together to give back to those in Shriners Hospitals for Children. And what happens is, he says they've done a lot of toy drives with different car groups. We go back and forth a lot between California and Utah, and we hope to come to other states soon. One of the earliest events was a rally in Los Angeles. What happened is people bring in uh, their their cool cars, uh, their their collectible cars, they, and and a toy, and they to donate. And it raises over it raised over seven thousand dollars at the initial rally for wow. Shriners Hospital in Los Angeles. Incredible. Uh, the uh, in fact there is a born for fast toy drive and car show. At the Garage Grill and Draper happening right now until 2 p.m. So the Garage awesome. Grill and Draper, head on down there and be part of this really cool thing uh, by Sebastian Perez as he's helping other kids have uh, a much more close to what should be normal life. 
the uh, innocent that get infected or have these problems. And wow. man, it's just it's it nine heart, years heart old. Yep, just a little kid, but changing the world. Wow, really, that's, really that's cool. That's amazing. You Way can, to go. You can uh, check out more uh, at bornforfast.org, uh, I think is uh, the website. Uh, Born for Fast. You can find them on Instagram. And also KSL Cars is helping sponsor that down there cool. today at uh, the the Garage Grill in Draper. So go, go down and check it out. 855-340-ZONE to be part of the show. 855-340-ZONE. All right, Roger, I've teased this a couple times today. Let's get to the loved and hated cars, according to mechanics. Let's do it. Now, these are the, the top 10 cars we hate the most, according to these two mechanics. And what they mean okay. by hate the most is they're the most reliable vehicles that don't make them any money. So that's right. the way they're approaching this. So okay. they say the top 10 cars that mechanics hate, but people love because they don't cost a lot, are... The Honda Civic, mm-hmm. the Honda Accord, okay. the Toyota Camry and Corolla and Prius, the okay. Ford Fusion and Fusion Hybrid. Interesting. They say, in our humble opinion, these are two of the few American cars that really approach the reliability of the Japanese brands. Wow, that's a good compliment. They say minivans have generally been pretty good to mechanics, except the Toyota, Sienna, and Honda Odyssey. They don't have a lot of costly repairs. Yep. Honda CRV, they say the same as the Accord and Civic. The Element, which the Honda Element is has gone extinct now, but that was a neat little car, I thought. Yeah, it was a car that was good for the times. You don't have it anymore. It's nice and boxy, and I think they discontinued that five or six or seven years ago. Yeah. Then they say the Subaru Impreza. For an all-wheel drive car, the Impreza is very reliable. Usually we count on making a lot of money on all-wheel drive vehicles thanks to the all-additional drivetrain components. But sadly, that's not the case with this car. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Subaru. We find parts to be reasonably priced and widely available. They also throw on the Subaru Forester. They agree with the Impreza that parts are ready uh, readily available and reasonably priced when it comes to all-wheel drive vehicles like the Impreza, the Forester is a sturdy, reliable choice. The final uh, one on the top 10 cars they hate is the Nissan Altima. They say the Altima runs forever. Mm. It's great to drive. The four-cylinder edition is a reliable car that's easy to fix. These cars just don't seem to break. Other than routine oil changes, we only see Altima owners when they've racked up 150,000 miles or more. And then they give a special mention to Fiat, Alfa Romero, <laughs> Lancia, <laughs> Peugeot, and AMC. They say these cars uh, we fondly remember as rolling boat payments. <laughs> <laughs> we'd see them coming into the shop, usually on the back end of a tow truck, and we'd know it would be a good month. Unfortunately, these manufacturers are now on our bad roster because they've pulled out of the U.S. market Fiat and Alpha may come back in the next few years, even if they have to sneak in disguised as Chryslers. They just well, sold, Fiat's though, to, to, to Stellantis, right? Uh, yeah, Fiat's still in town. I mean, there's still Fiat dealers. Uh, and uh, let's see. We could live with all the other cars on this list if we could just have a dozen customers with Fiat's, Alfa Romeo's, Lancia's, Peugeot's, and AMC's. Guys, please come back. We miss you. So hmm. those are the 10 cars that mechanics hate because they're too reliable (laughs) (laughs) that's funny 
They also say, here's a, a list of cars that mechanics quote-unquote love because they're a total waste of money for the consumer, according to these mechanics. Uh, in fact, who are, oh, you know who these, this is, you know the Car Talk Brothers out yeah. in uh, Massachusetts? That's who's made made these lists. Okay, uh, so it's got credibility. Magliores or something like I can't remember their how I don't remember their, their names, but, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, they say the Ford Focus is a big waste of money. The transmission is bleep. Yep. Uh, they then about seventy five thousand miles. That transmission starts slipping, and it's a known problem. They say they say in fact they've had a they've had multiple come in with less than five thousand miles with transmission leaks. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, they have a they have a, a known design flaw in that. It's it's there's a couple of companies out there that have stuff like that on the uh, on your uh, MDXs. Oh yeah, about seventy five thousand miles torque converter goes out, and it's a known it's a service bulletin, but they won't warranty it. Uh, a Reddit. It's not a cheap repair. <laughs> One Reddit mechanic said in response to the question about what the worst vehicle is, is the Gen 1 Porsche Cayenne, or Porsche, if you're if you a Porsche guy. Yeah, you got to say Porsche. Nah, I won't. Uh, they're getting know, cheap enough for most people to afford, but the cost of maintenance is ridiculous. They say uh-huh. if, you, if you have an engine failure in your early 2000s Porsche, you're looking at fifteen grand for a replacement. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next one, the Volkswagen New Beetle, which obviously is not being made anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason why people shouldn't buy this is it's impossible to work on. Yeah, This one guy said, as I was driving my New Beetle, the check engine light was always on and it would randomly not turn on. Uh, I was pretty much in the VW dealership every every week for one thing or another. And with their stupid diagnosis fee, it was just a sinkhole for me. Uh, it would constantly stutter when braking. The window motors were possessed and would open and close randomly. <laughs> and he says, uh, my first was a Volkswagen New Beetle, needed a new radiator. Guess the whole front end is coming off again. So it's just impossible. Oof. Impossible to work on. Mechanics love it because they can charge you more labor. Uh, oh, yeah. They've got the Chrysler Sebring on this list. Yeah. They say specifically the V6. Uh, the a grandson of a Chrysler engineer had this to say. My grandfather was an engineer for Chrysler's aerospace division in the 60s. During his employment and later his retirement, he was able to buy any Chrysler vehicle basically at cost. He always drove a Ford. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't bode well for you. And then uh, finally, this one, the Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon. Uh-huh. Uh, they may look nice. At least some people think so. I don't. They are comfortable to drive in, extremely expensive to fix and upkeep. They are uncomfortable, excuse me, to drive in, expensive to fix and upkeep, and they tend to break fairly often. An- another mechanic added, I'd love to have an old G-Wagon, one of the proper agricultural workhorse machines, I see a fair amount of new ones, and I just think you'd have to be mad or just uh, mad rich to buy one. Spending mm-hmm. uh, seventy thousand plus on what is essentially a forty-year-old tractor with nice leather seats. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's a great description. There you go. The, that, that's cars, funny. cars mechanics love because they cost you money, and cars mechanics hate because they 
don't bring any money to the mechanics. Pretty funny. Well, that's a that's an awesome article. Hey, before we awesome take list. before we take a break, let's get Kyle in on the show. He's been waiting. Eight five five three four zero zone. Kyle, welcome to Utah Car Sense. Hi, Kyle. Kyle, you with us? Oh. Austin, did you forget how to run the board again? Uh, Carlson, are you with us? We might have misheard yeah. your name. Okay. What's your first name? <laughs> Paul. Carl. Gotcha. No, Paul. 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 P-A-U-L. There you are. Okay. You're with us, Paul. Hey, Paul. How are you? I am good. And uh, when you stop and talk about reliable cars, I've got one that uh, is a Honda Civic. We bought it brand new in 1998. Still runs. Mm-hmm. Got over 350,000 miles on it. And on the expense-wise, I put a new alternator on it. One radiator and uh, two timing belts and two clutches. That's awesome. It's, and it goes out, and I start it every day and sit for a week or two and go out and start, and it'll kick right over and away I go. I missed the model. What car is this? It's a Honda Civic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they said that was the number one on their list of cars they hate because they never have to fix anything on them. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great – it's been a great car. It, Looks like it's been in a demolition derby, but you know, <laughs> but it uh, it uh, it still gets thirty three to thirty six miles to gallon when we drive it. Wow, uh, that's awesome! I drive that's it, and you know, especially at this day and age, and I drive it back and forth to work. So it, it's just been a great car. I mean, you know, and it's gone through uh, my daughter and her little bro- her brother, and so it's had some pretty tough use. Yeah, for sure. Wow, it's been definitely gotten your money's worth out of it. It's been through two young drivers. That's great, and you're still rolling that thing. That's great. Uh, I don't think I've had. Well, I've had a couple cars. They've only survived one driver. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yep. Paul, thanks for calling in, and uh, hopefully that Civic uh, serves you well for a long time. Still, that'd be great. Thank you. All right, we'll take our final break, come back with the final 30 minutes of the show, 855-340-ZONE. Call in right now. You'd have a one-in-four shot at a free oil change. Share your questions, your comments, your stories. 855-340-ZONE. Still to come, where does Utah rank in the worst uh, states in the union for accidents? We also have got to uh, talk about this situation out in California uh, oh no, we talked about the the, the toy drive. Uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, the the Cottonwood Canyon gondola idea that was uh, presented, that uh, proposal. So we gotta get to that and more as Utah Car Sense rolls on. Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Final minutes of the show this week, 855-340-ZONE to get your questions, comments, and stories in and enter into the drawing for that free oil change. Roger Parkin in with me, the general sales manager of the Southtown location. Roger, we had a guy, a listener, Mike, who was on a noisy uh, job site, so he didn't want to hold, didn't want to go on air, but he had a comment to make. Uh, Mike says the best vehicle he's ever owned, the most reliable, was a 2006 
Dodge Ram 2500. Interesting. He claims that he drove it 827,000 miles, and the only major repair that ever needed was new brakes. Well, if that's the case, he got a one-in-a-million vehicle. Yeah, that's I, I swear... I swear that would be like in a museum someplace. Uh, you would a, think, a truck think going nine hundred thousand miles. Exactly. <laughs> you didn't have to replace the engine, the transmission, nothing in a twenty five hundred. That's that's phenomenal. I, that's amazing. Yeah, you know, obviously you did all of his maintenance like you should have. Oh yeah. I mean, maintenance is cheap, you know, in comparative to a major breakdown because you don't do your maintenance. Exactly. Yep. So that's uh, amazing though. 800,000 miles with just brakes. And then we got a, a direct message on Twitter from Evan uh, who asked, is 120,500 miles, so 120,500 miles, is that a good mile count for a 2009 Ford Edge? So 2009, Roger, is that now a 13-year-old car? Uh, yeah, it's a... 12-year-old car, 120, that's 10,000 miles a year. That's pretty low mileage. That's about right, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's actually, it's, they consider 15,000 miles a year normal. So you would expect a 12-year-old car to have 180,000 miles on it. Okay. So, so that's pretty, that's pretty low. And I, so I guess I'm off on my math because I thought if it's a 2009, it was actually made in 2008. Is that yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. So, so we're splitting hairs 13, here. Maybe. If you go with thirteen years old, it's even lower mileage. So that's about right then. Uh, the, well, it's on it's the mileage. very low mileage. Uh, the only problem I, I perceive is that I don't know. I personally, I get nervous a little bit. Anything over one hundred twenty thousand miles is coming up on some kind of repair. Uh, usually well, them... can you buy those? You got to look at the overall condition of the car. I've got a. I picked up just for yard work and stuff an old 2001 s10 pickup truck with 120,000 miles on it that you know the last year last two it's fine it was cheap so i, I that, that mileage doesn't bother me i sent my daughter to this, to uh oregon in a foreigner that had 156,000 miles on that ran great for the time we had it mm. so it, it all depends on i'm not so afraid of miles if a car's been um maintained properly loved yeah yeah it's it's cars that you can't tell if they've had maintenance that i would shy away from gotcha but as miles depend if they take care of it miles don't necessarily kill a car are you likely to have some repairs come up with that mileage absolutely yeah yeah you know it's just a cost benefit what makes sense and you know make a an informed decision may not always be the most intelligent decision, but you can make an informed one. Our, uh, our other next door neighbors on the other side of us have a Ford edge and they love it. Uh, it's not for me, not my kind of car, but a lot of people no, love it, like them. Not for me either, but that's why there's, you know, two or 300, 400 different models of cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our taste, our own taste. If we, if we went with basic transportation, they'd all, they'd all have, Manual windows and locks, and you know maybe AC, <laughs> yep. but not a whole heck of a lot. I mean, you hop in a car now with manual windows, it's like ah, you know I got to roll this down by hand. God, I don't remember the last time I was in a car with a manual window. I took one in on trade two days ago. Did you really? Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Nissan uh, Nissan Note. Oh, the Note. There's a car. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, 855-340-ZONE. Chad has been holding. Chad, welcome to Car Sense. Chad, how are you? I'm sorry. Jeff. We got a second Jeff. Go ahead, Wait, Jeff. Not read today. You, we need to get you new glasses, Austin. All right, Eric. What's this guy's name? He's, you've told <laughs> me Chad, Jeff, Jeff, and Ed. Which, I, what is I, it? Jed with a J. Jed? I never said There Jed. you go. Like Jed, Jed Bush? Jed. That's, there you go. <laughs> okay. I never once said Jed. Jed, we're struggling today with names, obviously. How are you That's doing? That's all right. Jed, Chad, they sound similar. Good. What's up, man? I was just curious if you guys had any knowledge or insight on the uh, the Rivian truck coming out. Oh, uh, I did just see the I electric truck. I just saw you something know? that they're they're are they selling or trying to get a plant? What was it that I just saw? They're they're looking in? for another plant, which is interesting because I don't know if they've produced anything. I believe that Amazon's ordered a hundred thousand vehicles from them, if I'm remembering the the story correctly. You know, again, here's a company that's trying to disrupt what uh, has been you know a very tried and true market in the trucks going all electric and don't you know until they come out and get them out and run it's hard to say if they're going to be any good or not uh yeah and that's i mean they it's a cool idea they look cool but i think they're kind of getting yeah. beat to the punch because they've taken so long uh you've got as ugly and as awful as the cyber truck is it should be coming out pretty relatively soon well uh, you never know what you, don't, you never know with tesla but you also it's like saw, the semi was coming two years ago, and it's not coming until 22 now. You also saw Ford has an all-new electric line on, on, in place. The Lightning. Yeah, the Lightning. That's a neat truck. Uh, so Rivian, they, they plan on spending $5 billion on this 10,000-acre plant, likely to be in Arizona, according to Car and Driver. But I kind of feel, Jed, like they may have been beaten to the punch here by... Not having enough of a of a infrastructure to get that rolled out quicker. Now the big boys are all over the electric uh, truck. I'm afraid Rivian might be might be gone before it even really starts. So that's just a guess. I don't though. think it's going to be gone because I'm pretty sure Amazon's backing part of that. The Amazon bottom yeah, controlling Amazon part of it. Ford are backing them. Ford. Yeah, is? I mean, Ford is backing I Rivian. Amazon and Ford are two of the bigger investors. Really? Why would Ford invest in Rivian and come out with their own? Technology. Huh. Technology. Yeah. I guess we you, you you sell more vehicles, you make a lot more money. sharing technology. Are you interested in buying a Rivian, Jed? I, I put a deposit down a few Did months you? ago, and suppose, they keep pushing the delivery date back. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be June, July. Now it's September. So I guess we'll just kind of wait and see what happens. How much was They're it? They're running to, into that chip shortage as well. <laughs> how much was the deposit that they require? Uh, it's a thousand. Not, it's a thousand. But it's fully refundable. Gotcha. That's uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, Rivian's been around since 2009. They value the company at 27.6 billion. They haven't produced anything yet that I'm aware of. Uh, oh, okay. So Amazon has plans to use these as delivery. Uh, yeah, hundred thousand trucks. Well, they have a separate like a delivery right. truck segment and then pick up in an suv i think that's coming out interesting Sixty-seven and a half thousand with a 300 plus mile battery Seventy-three thousand with 300 plus mile battery for the adventure package uh it goes all the way up to seventy-five thousand for 300 plus mile battery wow i don't know man uh if you do end up getting a rivian <laughs> i would love to take a ride with you and and get you on the show and tell us what you think of it but like you said 
You never know when that might be. <laughs> yeah, it, it might be 18 months from now. It so. could be. could be. Uh, but if, if you, you're, I think if you're, if you're lucky with the way things are going right now. Yep, yeah. exactly. All right, Jed, thanks for calling in, and good luck. Okay, thank yeah, you, guys. Thanks, Jed. Yep. Patience is the motto in the car world these days, Roger. We talked about that earlier. Oh, anywhere now. I mean, you go out to go out to eat anywhere. No one has enough help to make it work. You go to um, a friend of mine went to Olive Garden the other night and said, "Why are you eating? And why don't you apply for a job?" <laughs> they had signs <laughs> all over. Give them credit for being creative. Yep. Hey, uh, the ten states with the most car accidents. Uh, where do you think Utah fits in on, and they are, Utah is in on this list. Top I 10. I it's number seven. Close. Oregon is 10th. Percentage of drivers with a prior at fault accident includes 13.93. Utah comes in at number nine. 14% really? of drivers have a prior at fault accident. Uh, in what time frame? Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. 11 out of 100,000, the time frame being not listed. So I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I think the last accident I was in that was my fault has been, it's been 30, knock on wood, 37 years. Wow. Let's see. Six million car crashes per year. This is 2018, going back to 2018. So the last three years. Uh, Interesting. And they've got a, a, a map of the United States with different shades of blue and green, depending on percentage of drivers reporting an at-fault accident within the past seven years, actually. Excuse me. Okay. The past seven years. Uh, and Utah, Utah wouldn't surprise me being that high with all the young drivers we have. Well, but here's my question. Okay, so you think that it's a numbers game. We may not have a great, huge population compared to like California and, and New York, but we have more kids that are driving these vehicles. I would mention that contributes to part of it. And that we film with the mouth when we drive. So, well, the, what this means is that Utah <laughs> is the ninth most expensive place to get car insurance. Apparently. Absolutely. That, uh, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, let's see. Percentage of drivers with a prior at fault was 14.8. Oh, wait, excuse me. Percentage of drivers with a prior speeding violation is 14.38%. Percentage of drivers with a prior DUI is way low, obviously 2.31. And number of drivers with a prior reckless driving incident, also way low, 11 out of 10,000. Hmm. Only 11 reckless driving incidents, uh, prior reckless driving incidents for every 10,000 here in the state of Utah. But the speeding and the at-fault accidents among the tops in the nation. Speeding doesn't surprise me. Drive the freeways now. You can't drive 75 on them or 70. Oh, I, I got get ran over. I got run off the road several times this morning. Uh, uh, going going 75, and yep. that's not fast enough for people behind you. Nope. Hey, did you Hope see? You watch this clip. Did you see the video of the proposed gondola in Little Cottonwood Canyon? I've read the article. I haven't seen the video, but I tell you, what do you think about it? Uh, they may have convinced me. So it's down. They had they held a public forum on the 13th of July, mm-hmm. and the decision will be revealed this winter which one they're going with, either the gondola 
or the uh, what is it called? What are they called? The bus. The the bus. The dedicated bus lane. De- and dedicated buses up there. and and with the electric buses, uh, the bus system I... would cost nearly five hundred and ten million. The gondola would cost five hundred ninety-two million. I okay. really like this idea. So it's right. They park it at the. There'd be a parking structure at Lakai. Right above Lakai. Yeah. yeah. The canyon. Uh, at the bottom of the canyon, the structure would hold up to eighteen hundred vehicles. Also providing obviously food, shops, lockers, it, it, bathrooms, on and on. The the group. Here, played- here's a challenge. Here's a challenge I see with both of these. It's kind of the one that gives me a little bit of heartburn. These are being built to dump people into Snowbird and Alta and really not addressing the rest of the issues in the canyon. I think the gondola environmentally makes more sense. It's not going to be susceptible to avalanches. There's less environmental damage putting it up there. But it is kind of a, both of these approaches to me are a little bit Band-Aid-ish right now, especially with our population growth. Hmm. I think unless they start, you know, you look at, I hate fees on canyons, you know, public land. But we got to start doing something to protect our watersheds up there and take care of them. And I don't know this. I don't know this. This is a wonderful answer for getting skiers up and down. I think the gondola. I think it'd be fun to ride during you know any time of the year. I mean, fantastic views. But it doesn't address some of the underlying issue of how do we get people in there to recreate without tearing our canyons up. So is is it your contention then that the congestion and the pollution up there is not overly due to people traveling to go skiing at those places? No, I think I I absolutely believe it is, but that's just not the only issue. They say that it's fifty six percent. Have you been up to canyons lately? Uh, no, no, I don't go up to Snowboard or Alta. I mean, you know, I had a salesman that was up. Uh, Big Cottonwood Canyon the other day on a on a Monday morning at eight o'clock, and it was full of people recreating. It's, we're loving our canyons to death, I guess. That's kind of my soapbox. We just, I think this is a good solution for keeping cars out of the canyon to get people to Alton Snowbird, but it doesn't keep them out of the canyon for the rest. They say or reduce uh, that. The group claims a gondola would produce three hundred percent less CO two than buses and decrease mm-hmm. in canyon carbon emissions by as much as fifty six percent. So the I'm winter, very much the winter. Gondola. Yeah, I like I like the gondola idea. I, I'm uh, very much pro gondola. I think it's less environment less environmentally intrusive. Says it will widen the road. Eliminate fourteen hundred vehicles an hour. That's craziness. That's that's that'll make a huge difference on the environment up there, but it it's the rest of the year uh, that you, you know that you're talking about. Really, you're not just looking at winter. You're saying this this might, like you said, a band aid for the winter up there, but it's not going to solve anything long term year round. Correct. I yeah, see. I just think I, I think we're taking too too small of a look at. I know they're trying to solve traffic for the winter and going up skiing. Not applaud that because it's terrible. You know, pick your canyon, especially on a powder day. It's it it, it stinks. Um, I just wish there was a better solution. I, and I don't have the solution. I, I'm grumbling, but I don't have the solution because I'm not sure what it is. You know, do you? How do you serve the rest of the canyon? You know, the picnic grounds, the the uh, rock climbing, the 
backcountry skiing. I don't know how you serve that efficiently and accomplish what we want to accomplish up there. I think the gondola is a good start. Yeah. I don't think it's the finish. It shouldn't be the finished solution, I don't think. But I'm not sure what that solution looks like. How's that for tap dancing? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I felt like a politician there doing the, you know. We need it fixed, step. but we don't know how to fix it. Yeah. No, I think it, I think it's a great idea. I think that's better than buses, more buses running up and down and, and widening the road. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, but uh, I also think that Alta and Snowbird should be kicking in a lot of the money because it's really to benefit them. Yeah, and and if they have to raise their prices, they have to raise their prices. That's well, you know, the sky's kind of the limit. It seems like they're everyone's up around a hundred bucks or more now. So a for, day. A, for a day, yeah, yeah. Which, if you're it's, one of those people that goes once or twice a year, then that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, but if you go, you need to get a season pass. And what are those thousands? Season pass know. depends on where you buy them. At. I mean, yeah. you can get. You go to Park City and you get their Epic Pass. It's probably nine hundred bucks this year. Good grief! The uh, Icon Pass is probably a thousand. How do you, how do any Snowbird of you have Alta that kind passes of money? Passes are probably more expensive. I'm sorry, what? How do any of you have that kind of money? How? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> it's about priorities. You have young kid and yeah. another one on the way. Congratulations! Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm finally at the end of the child raising years and. Congrats. Damn, it's nice to have some money in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, my brother's got five kids and they're constantly taking those kids skiing, but he doesn't, uh, he's not like an attorney or anything. I don't, he's an entrepreneur. Ah, well, I've got to, maybe he's, maybe he, uh, maybe he's doing something uh, illegal and I need to get on board with him. I don't know. Yeah. Some of that a, it's, a fun, it's a fun sport, but it's atrociously expensive. All right, we're coming up on the end of the show. Uh, next week, I will uh, be off. We'll probably have a... Yeah, you're having fun, I hope. Pro- nope, not doing anything fun. Doing uh, <laughs> honeydew projects all week uh, to get ready oh. for, as you mentioned, the second baby coming. So, Yeah, when, when's some... this one due? Oh, not till the 1st of December, but... So you're getting a jump on this. You're being prepared, being I a Boy Scout. I want it done because <laughs> of how the pregnancy went the first time around. Yeah, uh, that that caught us way off guard, you know, six weeks early. So uh, I want to make sure we're we're squared away for that third trimester. So take next Smart. week off. But when we come back later in August, I want to talk about vintage plates because I got some big okay. fat questions about vintage plates. And of course, we'll hopefully have some more better news on chips. But before we go, we got to get a winner. We had Jack, Chad. Nope, excuse me, Jack, Paul, Jed. Jed and Jeff, uh, four calls today. Uh, that's my bad. You're why we can't have nice things, Austin. Well, I'm look, you. sometimes, uh, you know, we got three people talking to you at once. It's a and, game of telephone. No. And Jed and Chaff. <laughs> literally. And someone doesn't talk right into their microphone. Yes, that's true. You're like six feet back from that mic there, Eric. That's true. Hey, Get right up in there. I like to He's practicing social distancing. We've got gnats congregating in the studio. All right. Pick a number between one and four, Eric. Three. Three goes to Paul. Paul called in uh, to tell us about his Civic that he's had for Fantastic, 30 Paul. years. So we'll get your info off to the uh, Mark Miller Subaru tomb, and they'll get you uh, an oil change. Roger, be well. Have a good week, and I'll talk to you soon. You too, sir. Good luck on all your projects next week. <laughs> Thanks. It's Roger Parkin at the Southtown location. For Eric Jensen behind the glass, the great enunciator, I'm Austin Horton the great miscommunicator. We'll be back next week on Utah Car Sense.